This summer, we uh, have been going through a sermon series from the book of Acts called Witnesses. Uh, we are looking kind of through these early chapters in Acts at how the earliest followers of Jesus functioned as Jesus' witnesses, uh, how they were testifying to who Jesus is and what he had done. And so last Sunday, we looked at the beginning of Acts chapter 4, where two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, uh, were arrested by the religious leaders in Jerusalem for speaking about Jesus, for being uh, witnesses. Uh, we saw last week how uh, they were willing to, to face that, uh, that opposition, and, and how they still had a confident and bold witness in the midst of that. Uh, they were released, we saw at the end of the passage last week, but they were commanded not to speak in Jesus' name any longer as they went home. So today we're going to pick up things uh, to actually take a look at the rest of Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John return to the community of believers uh, that they had been a part of. And, and we're going to see that the primary way as they gather back together, you know, Peter and John, just having gone through this experience, when, when they gather together with the other believers, the primary way, primary way they respond as a community to this opposition they were facing is through prayer. And, and this prayer that they pray, it empowers them to continue witnessing with boldness. And so my sermon title this morning is Empowering Prayer. We're going to look at how this prayer of these, these early believers empowered them as witnesses and how prayer can do the same for us as well in our lives today. So our text today is Acts chapter 4. I'll be reading verses 23 through 37. Uh, So hear the word of the Lord as as we um, look at Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke. By the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power And will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. 
Lord, thank you again for your word to us as living and active. And as we look at this prayer that you led the apostles and the, the believers in Jerusalem to pray in the face of opposition, we pray that you'd speak to us through this prayer of how you are calling us into um, a similar prayer in our lives, Lord, individually and as a, as a congregation. And uh, shape us, Lord, through your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we look at, at um, this prayer that, that the believers pray in response to the opposition that they were facing, I want to start by looking at some common responses to adversity. Uh, the, the disciples, they, they were facing this kind of adversity, opposition um, in, in Jerusalem. And, and I, w- I wonder, when we face that in our lives, when we face difficulties in life, adversity, like Peter and John did from these religious leaders, how do we often respond to adversity? I think one way that we, that we often respond to adversity is to get discouraged and give up. When, when the Jerusalem leaders arrested Peter and John and told them to stop preaching or teaching in the name of Jesus, they could have done that. They could have responded that way. They could have said, you know, it's not worth it getting arrested for, for this. We're, we're just going to stick to ourselves. We'll have our church gatherings, but we're not going to preach about Jesus publicly because it's, it seems like it's just going to cause too much trouble for us. When we face adversity, resistance, difficulties in life, it can get discouraging, right? When we face that, it, it, it can be very discouraging. And one of the ways that we can sometimes be tempted to respond is just to sort of say, you know what, it's too much. We give up. Maybe you, you share a new idea with your supervisor at work, and you're really excited about this, this approach, but they shoot it down. And you decide, you know what, I'm not going to open my mouth anymore. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to share my ideas anymore. Or maybe you invite a friend to come to church with you, but they give you an excuse. And so you decide, I'm just not going to invite them again. Maybe you have a dream that, that you, you really want to accomplish, something that maybe you really believe that God has sort of led you to, that, but you keep hitting roadblocks time and time again. And so you think, maybe I should just give up on the dream. It can be easy to get discouraged when we face adversity. And it can be tempting to just give up. And that's one of the ways that we sometimes do respond to adversity. But there's another kind of response that actually goes to the other end of the spectrum. And that is that sometimes we can try to fix the problem ourselves. So, so this adversity that's coming at us, the difficulty challenges that we're facing, we, we decide, you know, I'm, I'm going to pursue this goal even more. And so we, we try to accomplish that goal, overcome the adversity, but we do it in our own strength and according to our own plan. And, and we try to fix the problem ourselves. When Peter and John went back to the other believers and shared what had happened to them, I think for some of us, our tendency might have been to say, Okay, let's sit down, let's come up with a plan for how to deal with these religious leaders, let's strategize. You know, we're going to figure out how to win them over, or how to get around them, or maybe just how to eliminate them. And when we face adversity, it can be very easy to primarily respond that way, to, to try to take things into our own hands, start planning or manipulating or, or forcing to get what we want. 
Now, we know that the believer's response to adversity was to pray. And we're going to get to that in a second of how they actually pray. But I think that actually there's a, there's a third way that we sometimes respond to adversity, which is to pray, but to pray in a certain way. And that is to pray for God to change the circumstances. So we, we look to God. We decide, you know, this is maybe too big for me to handle. I'm going to bring it to God. But, but the focus of our prayer is asking God to change the situation that we're in. And that's easily how Peter and John also could have prayed in this situation, right? They, they could have lifted their voices to God and said, Oh God, please destroy these religious leaders. Please like rain fire upon them and, and eliminate them and from, you know, they're, they're causing us a headache. Or maybe they could have prayed, Lord, prevent them from arresting us anymore. You know, just, just keep us safe and secure. Stop, stop them from bothering us anymore. But that's not what they pray, as we're going to see. Often when we look to God in the face of adversity, our primary prayer is, God, just make things easier for me. <laughs> just remove the adversity. Make my life easier. Change the circumstances. There was a time when I had been working on a particular strategy and plan for a project. And when I initially shared this with, with some of the other people I was working with, I got some negative feedback from them. And, and I basically went through a cycle of all three of these responses in, in response. You know, first, I, I just felt discouraged and wondered, I should just give up on the idea. They don't like it. I'm just going to kind of forget about it. Then I just said, no, no, no. I'm not going to give up on this. I'm going to address every possible objection that they have preemptively. I'm going to strategize. I'm going to win people over. And that didn't work. <laughs> Actually, it made them even more resistant. And so I finally just prayed, God, won't you just remove these obstacles? Please change their minds. I'm tired of facing resistance. Can't you just make my life easier? I think oftentimes we... When we face adversity in our lives, we can respond in, in these different ways. But in contrast to these three common responses to adversity, Peter, John, and the believers in Jerusalem show a very different response. Their response is praying for empowerment. Praying for empowerment. The heart of their prayer is found in verse 29, when they say this, Now, Lord, consider their threats, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Notice how this prayer that they pray contrasts with all three of those common responses to adversity that I mentioned. First, instead of giving up because of discouragement, these believers, they, they don't give up. Instead, they, they pray for boldness, for perseverance. So they don't give up, but they, they pray for boldness and perseverance. They pray that God would enable them to continue to speak God's word with boldness. We saw this last week that, that when Peter and John um, faced this initial opposition, they told the religious leaders they couldn't help but speak what they had seen and heard. There was no way that that was going to be stopped. They were not going to give up in the face of adversity, but they also acknowledge 
that they can't do this on their own. And so they pray for boldness and perseverance. And, and that shows a contrast with that second response I mentioned earlier. Because instead of trying to fix the problem themselves and try to start saying, we, we're going to strategize, we're going to figure this out. They instead turn to God who has the power and is in control. So they acknowledge they can't handle the situation on their own through their own power, through their own insight. In fact, they, they start their prayer by saying, Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They address God as sovereign Lord. The word that's, that's translated there, it, it, it means master, ruler, the one who is in charge of everything. It's the one who, who's in control completely. And, and so they, they address God saying, you're in control, God. We're not. We can't fix this on our, on our own. But they also address him as the one who has made everything, who's made heaven and earth and the sea, who's made the entire universe. When you think about the fact that God is this creator, why in the world would you want to tackle a situation with our limited power and insight when you could turn to the one who has unlimited power, who has all wisdom, who has all strength, the one who spoke our universe into existence? Why would we try to fix it ourselves when, when we know the one who has all power? And finally, instead of asking God to just change their circumstances, the focus of their prayer instead is to ask God for the ability to face their circumstances. Again, notice they don't pray for God to remove the religious leaders or to keep them from facing any more opposition. They ask God instead to give them boldness in the face of opposition. In fact, in their prayer, they have this perspective that sometimes God actually brings opposition against us as a part of his plan. In verse 27, they say, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. What they're saying there is that Jesus faced opposition as well. Incredible opposition. But then they go on to say in verse 28, they, meaning Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, the religious leaders, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So this opposition that, they were, that, that Jesus faced, it, it was actually God's will and God's power that had determined it beforehand. God actually willed for Jesus to face that opposition. Why would he do that? Why would God will opposition against Jesus? Because it was through that opposition that Jesus saved the world through his death on the cross. See, God had a bigger picture of what was happening in the opposition that Jesus faced. And so the disciples, as they look at the opposition that they are facing, they too believe that God had a purpose behind the opposition they were facing. 
And so the focus of their prayer is not trying to convince God to change their circumstances, to eliminate the opposition. Instead, their prayer is focused on asking God to empower them to face it, to face the opposition. And that situation I mentioned earlier, when I got some negative feedback on that strategy and plan that I had proposed, after trying all those three common responses to adversity, which didn't work at all, God finally led me to a place of submitting my plans to him. And I realized I couldn't force my plan. But I also didn't sense that God wanted me to just give up either. And yet he also didn't seem to be removing the obstacles. So what was I supposed to do? Right? I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to give up. I'm not, I'm not supposed to force it, but I'm also still facing resistance. What am I supposed to do, God? What God was calling me to do was to lay that situation at his feet, to turn to him, to wait on his timing, to trust in his power and his will. And yet he wasn't wanting me to just be passive and do nothing either. Because as I began to pray in this different sort of way, praying, not just asking God to change the situation, but, but asking him to empower me to face the obstacles with perseverance, with boldness, God began to show me a path forward. And it was different from my original strategy and plan, although it was in line with some of the same goals. And eventually, those who had been critical of that original plan ended up embracing kind of the new revised approach, which was actually much better than my original plan. And so ironically, God used that opposition for his purposes. He used it to shape me through it. He used it to lead us to actually a much better plan than I had originally proposed. Don't you love when God does that? When he, he uses those opposition and he uses it to, to accomplish something much greater than we could have imagined. So what happens as a result of this? What happens when these Jerusalem believers pray for empowerment? The last thing I want to look at today is, is what are the results of empowering prayer? Well, the immediate result of their prayer is that things are shaken. The beginning of verse 31 says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. God heard them, and he answered them with dramatic effect. I don't know how many of you have ever felt an earthquake, um, but before moving here to Brooklyn, uh, Rochelle and I were living in Southern California, and I felt um, an earthquake, the first one I had ever felt in, in, in California when I was working in my, in my office at church. I was sitting in my chair, and I suddenly thought to myself, man, my chair feels really wobbly and unstable right now. Like, I gotta get this chair fixed. I wonder what's going on here. And then all of a sudden, I, my second thought was like, oh, I think I'm actually experiencing an earthquake right now. Like the, and I went outside and saw like the, like the, like the ground like rippling and it was, it was very surreal. Um, it was a strange sensation to feel the world around me shaking. And when it was over, I couldn't just go back to what I was doing. I couldn't just be like, all right, let me get back to my, my sermon preparation here. No, it was, it like, it shook me up. It, it made me pause. It made me think. It made me realize that 
there are forces outside of me that are, that are way beyond my control. And I can imagine that the, the believers felt something similar as they experienced the shaking of God. It must have made them pause and think and, and suddenly realize they were not ultimately in control of this. This is often what happens from this kind of empowering prayer that when we pray and we ask God for boldness and, and we're turning to him as, as, as the sovereign Lord, things get shaken as we communicate with the God of the universe. We're reminded that we're not in control. Sometimes, like what happened to me in that situation, our ideas, our plans get shaken up. Things get changed on us as we submit ourselves to God's will. But the primary result of the believer's prayer for empowerment is that God fills us, he empowers us, and then he sends us out. And we see this at the, at the end of verse 31. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God answers their prayer for empowerment. He fills them with the Holy Spirit. Not for the first time, but he, with a renewed sense of the Spirit's presence. And then he empowers them to speak the word of God. He sends them out to do that. And they do it. And God can do the same thing with us. He wants to do this in our individual lives. He wants to do that in our church. He wants to fill us and empower us and send us as his witnesses. And that happens when we pray. I think sometimes people pit prayer against action. Like prayer is an excuse not to act. But prayer that is genuinely seeking God's leading and direction will always lead to action. Sometimes that action may be continuing to wait, to wait on God's timing. But it's an active, expectant waiting. And often when we pray about something, the Holy Spirit will prompt us to act in some way. I actually think that sometimes that's the reason that we don't want to pray. Because we're afraid that if we do, God may actually ask us to do something. <laughs> he may actually ask us to be a part of, of his answer. But if he does, guess what? He will also give us what we need to do that. So I want to close our, our time this morning, actually, by leading us into a time of prayer. Into a time of prayer together. And I want, to start, I want to start by inviting us actually to confess the ways that we have failed to pray in this way. Because if we're, if we're honest, I think all of us, we can see ourselves in those other responses and ways that we have not really given some situations to God and invited them. So I want to just ask you to think about this. Have you, have, is there a situation in your life where you've maybe given up on something that God has called you to? rather than asking him for boldness and perseverance in that? Or have you relied on your own planning and insights to try to fix a situation, to accomplish your goals, rather than looking to the one who has the power and control? Have you been trying to put yourself in God's place? Have you asked God to change your circumstances rather than asking him for the ability to face those circumstances. And I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to pray for God to change things too. We see examples of that in scripture too. But, but if he chooses not to, are you praying that God would, would empower you to, to face those circumstances? So I just want to open a, a brief time of silent prayer as we just 
confess silently the ways that we have tried to take things into our own hands rather than trusting God, submitting ourselves to him. So let's just pray and, and pause to confess those areas of our lives to him. Brothers and sisters, as your, your heads are bowed, as you're praying before our God, I, I want to proclaim to you the gospel that our God is merciful and gracious and that Jesus has taken all of your sin and your failure and he has paid for it in full on the cross. As we said, Jesus paid it all. He has paid for those sins. He has forgiven you and declared you righteous in his sight through Christ. And so now I invite us to pray for empowerment. To pray that God would empower us to face the obstacles, opposition that you might be facing right now. How is God calling you to be a witness to people in your life, to your coworkers and your neighbors, to the people in this neighborhood? Acknowledge your fears, your weaknesses, your insecurities. And join me as, as I pray the prayer that those disciples prayed. Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Lord, you are sovereign. You are creator. You're the one who has all the power, all the glory. And so we look to you in whatever situation that we are facing as you are the one, God, who has the power. And so now, Lord, as we, as we pray with those early believers, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Empower us, Lord, to face whatever opposition we may be, we may be dealing with. Shake this place. Shake us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Empower us to speak your word boldly. Empower us to live our lives as those early believers did, as we saw in this passage of, of, of gathering together, sharing what they had with, what, with one another, that our community would look different to the people around us, that we would be a witness to our actions and our words, and that you would empower us with great boldness to bring this good news to people who desperately need it. Fill us, empower us, shake us, and send us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.